Good morning. It is just so great to be here. My wife greets you, my family, and uh, we're, we're just excited to be here. I love your pastor. Pastor Justin and Liz are special friends, and it's just an honor. He was teasing me a little bit when he mentioned the intro name, and I thought, dude, you forgot. I get the mic after you. So, of course, pastor always gets last word, and we know that. And when he talked about my nickname, my nickname is Bengali Bob, but there's another one, Dirty McGurdy. I was afraid he was going to say that one, but he didn't, so I'm okay. Uh, we're just uh, honored to be able to be here and to share. And, and Pastor Justin mentioned it, but, but I also want to piggyback on that. This church, your history and your legacy, actually started the organization that I'm with. Uh, Mark and Holda Montaigne were in Calcutta, India, and they hit a place where they saw poverty at a level and a depth that was unignorable. And Pastor Mark Buntain was in the middle of a revival tent meeting, and a man interrupted him and said, Preacher, deal with our belly, and then we'll hear about your God. And he got in that prayer closet, and, and he just said, we have to feed, we have to educate, we have to medically help. And, and at that moment, the Assemblies of God was not ready to focus in that feeding area. And so Mark Montaigne called his brother, who was pastoring in Washington State, and his brother called a man named Pastor Hugh Rosenberg and a few others, and they got together, and as the old saying goes, the rest is history. So I just want to honor that you're a part of a church that has done amazing things in India. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Calcutta Mercy, as you saw on the video, does three things. We feed, we educate, we medically assist. But all of that is to tangibly say to a hurting and crying and desperate world, there is a God and he cares about you and he loves you and we earn the right to be heard and we share Jesus and that's what we do. This morning, my message is about three things. It's about darkness, it's about sight, and it's about anointing. And my request to you is, yes, I'm a missionary. I'm here to tell a missionary story. Yes, missionaries come, and they want to get your money, and we know all those things that happen. But this morning, would you take a moment and recognize that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment, and God has a word for you. And I want you to say, God has a word for me. One, two, three. God has a word for me. I believe that God has a word for you and that God wants you to be something so powerful and so anointed that will literally, when you walk in a room, the darkness goes because God is in you and he does powerful things. And so I, I just pray that you would take this message this morning and believe that God is going to do something really powerful in your life. And we, the worship this morning was so amazing. And while we were worshiping, I, I had this picture in my mind and I, and I pictured just a plateful or a pile of these just really rough common rocks. And in the middle of those rocks was a diamond. And, and what happened at each of these plates, people were polishing the rocks and they were making them look pretty and shiny and they were, they were just working on the rocks and God was weeping because the diamond was being ignored. And you're the diamond, and God cares about you. And he doesn't care about your stuff. He doesn't care about your job, the what you do. But he cares about who you are. And from the beginning of the earth, he 
purposed you for something that's probably bigger than you understand. And, and, and my hope this morning is, as we share is that, is that you will get a deeper understanding of the diamond that you are and the kingdom purpose that God has in your life. Amen? And, and that's my hope and that's my prayer. And so I want to share about three things. And, and the first thing I want to talk about is about darkness. And uh, I want to tell a story, and I think we, we have it on a PowerPoint that will come up here. Um, and, and a friend of mine, Dawn Devraj, she shared this quote, and I want to unpack it and explain it to you. And, and in that quote, she says, I want to find the right darkness where my light will best shine. Dawn, I want to tell her story a little bit. Dawn grew up, uh, her father, K.K. Devraj, uh, founded an organization called Bombay Teen Challenge and, and then later with Project Rescue and dealt with drug addicts and, and human trafficking and addiction. And, and I was in Mumbai and uh, Dawn is now in her 30s, but when she turned 18 years old, she wrote a letter to her father. Now, how many parents here have daughters? Okay. I have two sons, so I don't, I don't get daughters, okay? Um, but I get sons. And, and a letter between a father and a son would go something like this. Uh, Dear dad, no mun and no fun. <laughs> Fondly your son. You know, that, that's a father-son letter. And a dad would write back to your son, so sad, too bad. Lovingly your dad. And, you know, that's it. We don't have all of those emotions and feelings that go on. But Dawn wrote her dad, K.K. Devraj, a letter and you have to understand, Devraj was in the oil industry in Iran, was doing very well, and God got a hold of his heart and called him to go back to India, and he literally went to the streets where the drug addict, where the human trafficking was going on, and began a ministry that is so strong today. And when Dawn turned 18, and you know her church that, that her dad would go to were, were full of people who were, who were being uh, victimized, and, and it was Saturday night right in the red light district, and that's what Dawn grew up from as a baby. And when she turned 18, she wrote this letter to her father, and it was just saying, Dad, you have been a man of God. You have shown me the path. You've shown me, God, I understand God because I know my father loves God, and and, and Devraj, you know, was just so proud. We're in a five-star hotel in Mumbai, and, and there's several of us couples, and, and he's reading this letter from Dawn. And as he's reading it in the middle, that quote that's up there in that letter, she said, I want to find the right darkness. And something in my spirit leapt, and I interrupted Devraj, and I said, read that again. Read that again. Read that again. You see, in life... And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're not all about the right darkness. We're about the right light. We're about the, the Instagram touch and the photo. And, and, and we want our ministry to look good. And we want people to notice us. And they want, they, we want people to see what car we drive, what clothes we wear, what shoes we have, what watch we do or don't wear. And, and we want all of the right light so that people say, isn't he something? We want the right degree. We want the right education. We want the right basketball team to win the right game. And we won't, we won't go there right now in Sweet 16 season. But, but we want all of these things to line up in the light. And here was a woman who grew up in a place where she understood that it's not about the light. Because Jesus is the light of the world who's overcome everything. But it's about the right darkness. 
And so I ask you this morning, as followers of Jesus, are you more concerned about the right light or the right darkness? If you don't know Jesus, you need to be chasing the right light, and that is the light of the world for all of eternity. Funny little story, a friend of mine was a missionary in Bangladesh, and he got the words light and potato confused because light is alo and potato is alu, and so he thought he was preaching about Jesus being the greatest light in the world, but he was preaching, Jesus is the greatest potato that would ever, and he went on and on, and people finally just said, shut up, preacher, shut up, you know, we really don't care about potatoes, but uh, the light is important. But once you've experienced the light of God, the darkness is just as important. God has something deeper for each and every one of us. It's not just to go through the world and do our thing and die. But it's to live in a way that nobody has to lie at our funeral. It's to live in a way that we understand that God has a deeper purpose for us. And a lot of people get in this place where, where they're just kind of doing both things. You're doing the Saturday night crowd and the Sunday morning gig. You're, 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 you're in there with the world and you're doing things. And then Sunday morning you're in the church and it's like the Chinese proverb that says, he who ride middle road get hit both sides. And God doesn't want you to get hit from both sides, but he wants you to get all in for him and his kingdom and his eternal purposes. And so my challenge to you, is like dawn, be passionate about finding the right darkness where your light will best shine. We all understand the wrong darkness, but the right darkness is that place that God has called you as a child of God to walk in and proclaim love and light and power and anointing. And when you go to that place, you know that you've gone there because God has called you and literally the darkness will flee and people will know that somebody's in the house who can speak into my situation, into my world and into my life. The right darkness is very important. The second thing I want to talk about is about sight. And I have to tell you a funny story, and and then we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 6. But um, I am 61 years old. When I turned 50, the state of Missouri decided they needed to make sure that my eyes were fit to be on the road when I went to renew my driver's license. And so I take the test, and um, it was kind of a weird deal where... I, I didn't know if I would need my glasses or not because I, I wear glasses and it, I, I tend to wear them for driving. If I don't wear my glasses at night when I'm driving, you should get off the road or the sidewalk or wherever I am. But um, they were testing my eyes and they were good enough that I didn't need glasses. But they were bad enough that they had to put a little note on my driver's license and I had no idea what this note meant. So I went and I asked for the supervisor of motor vehicles because I had no idea. I said, they said I didn't need glasses. They said, no, but this restriction says that your car has to have a review mirror. And I said, but don't all cars have review mirrors? They said, yeah, but in case the motor vehicle uh, regulations say that cars don't need review mirrors, you'll still need one. That's Missouri. I, I can't unpack that or explain it except to say that they knew I needed a little more insight than other people. Now, think of that story, and let's jump to 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, 
would you mind standing with me and let's read this together. Uh, let's read God's scripture together here and it's on the board. So if you want to just read with me. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Lord, do something powerful with this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Many of you know this story, and if you don't, let me just unpack it a little bit and, and, and talk about it. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, here's what's happening. There's the king of Aram, and there's the king of Israel, and they're having a holy war with each other. And the king of Aram was... Um, every move he made was being found out because Elisha would hear from God. And when Elisha heard that the Arameans, the king of Aram's team, uh, were going to a certain place, Elisha would go to the king of Israel and say, hey, they're coming down this road, you should go down that road. And the king of Aram was so upset and he said, he said, okay, guys, let's get together. Who is telling the secrets? Who's on the other team? And one of them says, you know, king, live forever. None of us. But there's a man of God named Elisha. And the very words that you speak in your bedroom, he goes and tells the king of Israel. And basically, the king of Aram says, game on. Go find him, attack him, surround him. He is going to go down. And so this is what happens, and, and when we get to 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17, what happens is in the morning, Elisha's servant wakes up, and in New Jersey slang, I'm from New Jersey, in New Jersey slang, he says, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's in the scripture, it says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Just a little New Jersey slang to it. And he just sees the reality and we all see different realities sometimes and things that happen to us. It's unfair. There's no money. There's all these things going on. And, and we wake up in the morning with, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And Elisha prays this prayer. And he says, Lord, open the servant's eyes. And here's the thing that we miss. And if you read the Bible again and again, there's new insight that you get. The Bible doesn't change. It's just that we get to a deeper level of understanding. Think about this for a moment. When Elisha prayed, nothing changed. The servant could not see what was happening. You see, yes, the army was there. They were ready to attack. They were ready to destroy. But the army of God was stronger and greater and more powerful that nothing could happen. But the servant couldn't see it. And when he prayed, open his eyes, nothing changed except his ability to see what was going on. If I could give you a gift this morning... I would give you spiritual eyeglasses that you could see what God is up to. The greatest danger that we face as individuals in the church is that we play church, we get hit both sides, 
And we live an entire life and we never understand that God himself placed us as a diamond and a pile of rocks that we should become something, that we should walk in anointing, that we should walk in purpose, that we should walk in favor. Have you ever been in church and and you watch someone and they're praying and people are getting healed and you go, how come I don't experience that? That's a godly jealousy, and it's okay. Have a, be hungry for the things of God. Desire that God would do something so powerful in your life. But it can't happen if you see like the servant sees. You've got to cry out, God, I don't understand it. I don't see it. I don't know what you're doing, but God, do something in me. God, give me a new lens that I can see what you're up to. God wants us to see in that kind of way. And I'm not an Elijah, but when we end today, we are going to have special prayer and invite you to ask God for a new set of eyes that we can see what God is up to. That we can live in the right darkness. That we can see what God is up to. You can miss it. You can play church and miss the purpose of God in your life. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life. So we talk about darkness. We talk about sight. And I want to talk about anointing. And I want to tell you this morning that if you're going to walk in the purpose of God, you will experience and be able to walk in the anointing of God. There is not a man or woman young boy, young girl in this room, that God does not want to pour the anointing of his Holy Spirit upon. And what happens is it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, that breaks the bondage. And and we live through life and we go through problems and heartaches and pains. And just like that servant, we wake up in the morning and say, my God, what am I going to do? But when the anointing is upon us, we realize God's already got this. He's already figured it out. He's already taken us to another level. But we have to walk in his anointing. We have to walk in his purpose. For me, Calcutta mercy is my right darkness. It's a place where I'm supposed to be and I can let God's light shine and I can do God things. What's your right darkness? If you know Jesus, don't settle for just going to church on Sunday and playing games on Monday. God has so much more. God has so much more. What's your right darkness? What is it that you were born for? Back to the story of that pile of rocks and the diamond. We get so concerned about who people think I am or about my job or about my business and how profitable it is. And did I make teacher of the, war, of the year award? Did I, did I make my bonus as a salesman? And God says, it's a pile of rocks, but you're missing the diamond. You were created to literally shatter nations. You were my war club to accomplish the kingdom of the world. Do you understand that God does not have a mistake in this room. This room is filled with intentionality for the kingdom of God. 
This church is not a place that you come to get fed, but you come to get charged so that you can feed a lost and hurting and painful world. And you can say there is a God and he cares about you and he loves you. You have an anointing from God. I believe that there are only two people in this world, believers and pre-believers. And so you're either a follower of Jesus or you're on the path. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this message is for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be one today. And we have to not look at lenses and say, he's a Muslim, he's a Hindu, he's a Buddhist, he's an atheist, he's an agnostic, he's a Jew, he's brown, he's white, he's black, he's red. We're either followers or we're on the way. And if you're a follower, your job's to bring those on the way. And so you have to find that right darkness. You have to see the way that God sees. If you're facing a major challenge right now, and, and we all have seasons of challenges, we, we deal with death and grief and pain and financial and just brokenness and depression. All these things are just real. But let me tell you something. They'll get more real and more hurtful until you come to the God who will give you insight. And when you come to him, he can take your platform of pain and he can use it powerfully. He can help you, he can heal you, and he can help you to understand why and to use that to minister to others. So darkness and sight and anointing. We help in India that Indians can see as God sees. When God got a hold of my life, the one thing I understood is that I had a holy responsibility to share this with others. There was a side of me when I came to faith that I was upset that it took that many years before I had a gospel presentation, before someone told me about God and his love. And I have committed the rest of my life that Whatever opportunity I get, I'm going to do life meaningfully with the lost. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out. I'm going to share Jesus, and I'm going to proclaim him, and I'm not going to apologize. You see, we, we, we get all worried, and we want people to feel good. I, I'm not worried if you feel good, but I really want you to get to heaven. I really want you to experience God. I want you to know a joy that is eternal and that will flow. Well, what happens when my friend says, but this or but that? You go to Scripture. You, you Nobody wants your opinion, but they want to know what the Bible says, and you never apologize for it. I have a friend of mine, and we've been on a faith journey for many, many years, and, and he's really a good man. He's a close friend, and one night, my wife and I are in his kitchen, and he's cooking, and, and he just turned to me, and he said, Mom... And he was going through this whole story about faith and as a Muslim. And he said, my father would think that because you're a Christian, you're going to go to hell and you don't have any chance. What do you think about me? <laughs> so, yeah, right there to the point. And this was after years. And so I'm explaining a few things. And I'm, I'm doing the Indian thing. I'm going in circles. <laughs> and so finally he says, very good story, Bob. But you didn't answer my question. And at that moment, I knew that he was ready for truth. And I said, all I can tell you is that the Bible says 
He who has the Son has life. And he who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. He says, oh, okay, so you think I'm going to hell. Let's eat. It's dinner time. People want the truth. And we are the guardians of the truth. And we are the proclaimers of the truth. We are the truth tellers. If people cannot get the truth from us, then it's not available. God has instilled truth in you to share to the nations. So we find our right darkness. We get the sight that only God can give. And we walk in anointing. I want to tell a story or two about Calcutta and our hospital. And and then in just a few moments, I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come and those who will pray for us and and we will wrap up. But um, I believe in our hospital. And I said we do three things. We feed, we educate, we medically assist. And and I'll get to India and I'll be in jet lag and it'll be two o'clock in the morning. And you know, the great thing about a hospital is open 24 hours a day. So I just go in, start praying. I wake up all the kids in pediatric, the nurses get mad at me, but I buy them breakfast in the morning and we're good. So, um, but I just have fun and I share. And I remember one night a man came in and he was not a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and he was a Muslim man and he had just lost his mother. And because I speak Bengali, I was able to connect to him. And, and he's in the hallway, and, and there's that quiet moment. And, um, you know, I just put my head down in respect, and, uh, and I shared a few Arabic words that I knew. And then in Bengali, I said, sir, I am sorry for the loss of your mother. And, and he embraced me in a way like we were brothers. And he wept, and he cried out his pain And I said, sir, come with me. We're going to go to the chapel and we're going to pray together. And for the next hour, we told stories, we laughed, we cried, we prayed. And when I come to Calcutta, that man looks for me. And he looks for me because he knows I have truth, but I also have grace and I have compassion. People need to chase you because of who you are in God. Let your reputation be that that is a man I can count on. That is a man who will be honest, who will love me, and who will tell me the truth. Be the kind of woman that when a lady is discouraged or depressed, you're the first run because they know that you will be kind and you will tell the truth. Be that kind of person. I remember a family, we were the sixth hospital that they had brought their daughter to. And all the other hospitals wanted money. They wanted a lot of money. They wanted guarantees. And they literally refused admission. And these brothers and this dying sister came to our hospital. And we gave her a bed. And within minutes, she passed away. And they were looking for me because I was there. And those men just said, everybody else wanted something from us. And all you wanted to do was help my sister. Let your reputation be, everybody else had an angle, but you had God. Let that be your reputation. So as we wrap up, and, and I invite the worship team to come and those who are going to pray. And we're, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond. 
But there's some gifts, and we're going to put on the PowerPoint. These are three gifts for you. And I really want you to receive them because God wants to take you to a next step. He doesn't want you to just show up every Sunday and talk about the church. Who is New Heights? What do they do? No, but who are you and what do you do? There's a whole difference. It's like the guy who says, you know, what's the church believe? Well, the church believes what I believe. Well, what do you believe? Well, the church and I both believe the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, and what's that? Be someone that will transform a city, a nation, and a world. So these are our three gifts that are available. Would you stand with me? And again, if the worship team would come. Darkness. What is your right darkness? What is it that you're supposed to be doing for God right now? I'm I'm not recruiting for ministries in the church. Your, Your pastor, Ken, and will do that. But I'm saying, in God, where are you supposed to be? Who are you supposed to be mentoring? Who are you supposed to be pouring into? Who are you supposed to be speaking life to? What are you supposed to be doing that the world may know that there is a God in heaven who cares? What is your right darkness? And if you don't know it, you're invited to come and figure that out. Sight, and we told the story of Elijah the servant. He literally could only see the problem. Is that you this morning? Can you only see the problem and not the solution? I want to tell you that God wants to open your eyes. I know Elisha, the people that will pray for you aren't that, but God will get you there so that you can see what God is up to. And lastly, that there is an anointing for you that you can walk in purpose and on purpose. And as the worship team comes and and begins to lead us, would you ask God to open your eyes that you can have the right darkness, that you can see what he's up to, and that you can walk in his anointing.